Folks, I want to welcome you to the Faculty Podcast, brought to you by Reformed Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C., part of a 50-plus year endeavor to train pastors and other church leaders in the ministry of the gospel in the United States and around the world. My name is Scott Redden. I'm the prophet. <laughs> Sorry, I can't. Tommy's making faces. <laughs> Was it? Rec- oh, okay. Welcome, Tommy Keene. Academic Dean and Professor of New Testament here at Reformed Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C. I'm also joined by my other colleague, Dean of Students, and one of the wisest voices in the area of preaching with or without notes that I'm familiar with, Dr. Peter Lee. And I'm Scott Redd, the President and Professor here at RTS Washington. And this is a bit of a rebuttal episode. Um, a fun rebuttal, a fun rebuttal. Well, it was a rebuke, and then we prayed about it, and it became a rebuttal. And, um, you know, we, we heard the episode that was recorded conveniently in our absence about preaching without notes uh, between doctors Keen and Jean. And, uh, you know, Peter and I looked at each other and you know, said in unison, this shall not stand, you know. Um <laughs> So we had to step in to clear things up, lest lest our, our humble listeners are misguided and down the road to folly. Your intro reminds me of this, uh, this uh, patch. My, my friends, my kids' friends are into these patches that they put on their jackets. And so my, my daughters bought their friend a, a patch that said, what did you expect? You left me unattended. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we we should have expected. You should, this you shouldn't have left. We wouldn't have had to. I do know that I was out that day, and I heard Tommy say, "I think I've got a topic. Who wants to be on?" And I think Paul came on, and the rest is the I rest it is history. Been their opportunity to finally respond back to our, you know, New Testament is just inspired commentary chatter. And, <laughs> well, it was just you and Paul. So the epilogue. That's true. We could. Yeah. But instead, you guys picked on, uh, you know, preaching, preaching without, without notes, notes. preaching yeah. without notes. Yeah. In all seriousness. By the way, here, uh, the, <laughs> the two, my two contributors both have their notepads. Yes. And I'm sitting here with my phone and that's it. Well, we noticed the kind of choppy, unprepared uh, nature of the earlier podcast we and did. decided that. It, this needed some structure and organization, uh, yeah. so we need notes. Well, if you care. If you care about your audience and you care about the topic, <laughs> no, and and, and you know, all all seriousness, which probably means not very serious, but um, you know, I it's interesting what you guys were talking about because I've had a similar experience of preaching without notes of late. I've been trying to kind of exercise that uh, that muscle a little bit, and so I don't disagree with with really anything you guys said. Um, but but as we were talking, do you, do you have maybe a couple of couple of caveats that we'd kind of add to uh, the conversation? So I, to get to that, I want to start off with my well prepared. I can tell because <laughs> of his notepad, my well prepared uh, co host here, Doctor Lee. Okay, well, uh, as I am looking at my notes, um, first, you know, this is all in 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 good fun and. Um, <laughs> And in general, I'm you know I'm really sympathetic to everything that was said uh, in our uh, previous uh, uh, rather randomly put together uh, episode of uh, preaching without notes. And in fact, uh, you know I would agree with a lot of what 
they would say in general, we can't, uh, even if you use your notes, you can't depend on it. Uh, you need to be sensitive to, um, uh, to the people that you are preaching to. Uh, there was a comment men, uh, made about uh, uh, rehearsing sermon. I totally agree you should rehearse your sermons. Uh, you know, the idea of doing it for the first time that Sunday uh, is a little, it's not well prepared. And uh, whether you do it with notes or without, that doesn't seem um, uh, a good a good thing. Whether you uh, use notes or not, you need to know your material well. Uh, and even if you use your notes, you can't be dependent on it. Uh, so there was a lot of uh, good comments. And then to simplify, you know, and the the idea of preaching without notes sort of uh, commits you to the uh, to the uh, to the central core of a message. Is definitely a good thing, and I think the the idea of having notes can encourage pastors to go a little bit too uh, into detail that may not be necessary. Um, you know, if you can leave a congregation with a one main thought of what of what was preached, uh, that is a winner. Mm -hmm. And uh, and there is something about uh, preaching without notes that requires you to kind of uh, strip away everything except for the core. That that is absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It, it, it oftentimes, and you guys highlighted this when you're in the moment and you're away from notes, because there's this always there's always that dialogical aspect to preaching, right? You're always talking to a congregation, and even though they're not saying anything, they're saying a lot, right? With their eyes, with their faces. I remember one of my pastors saying, "You don't think you're up there monologizing. You know, this is not a soliloquy. This is a, a dialogue with the congregation." And you can make many people. I don't. This is where I think this is, is this interesting point. You can many people can make those adjustments in real time and recognize. I need to distill this down. Maybe I need to leave this thing to the side. This isn't going to fit in well given this dialogue. Uh, and you're making those real time corrections. Here's the things I happen to know too. There, there are a lot of people who don't operate that way. They don't have. Um, they don't have that kind of like way of interacting in real time. They could in a conversation, but particularly I think of new pastors, new preachers, but I think this is also just a personality type. I think some people may really wrestle with that kind of real-time adaptation. And at the end of the day, they are always going to be, whether they've memorized it or I remember one pastor I use a new use this term of internalizing. He said, don't, don't, don't memorize. This is kind of what you guys were talking about. You internalize it, right? Um, whether you're doing that or you're using notes, you know, you're kind of going through a manuscript that's written out word for word. Some people are going to have to do that because they're just not going to have that personality. I know some people, as, as soon as that, as soon as they stand up and start looking at the audience, there's almost like this: if I don't have someone walking me through, holding my hand through this, and the someone being notes, <laughs> you know, I'm going to get totally lost. I'm not going to hit the points, and I take preaching that seriously that I'm going to have to have this guardrail. You know, they're going to be just those personality types um, who have that. With that said, I think to y'all's point, we should all be aspiring to getting away from notes. We should all aspire to get away from the notes. And I've had people come up to me after sermons and say, man, it's amazing. You just preach that whole thing without notes. And I'm like, oh, I had notes, but I just learned how to not, you don't know that, I'm, that I have them. You don't know that I'm going back to them, that I'm checking them as, uh, as my eyes are scanning across the audience and that sort of thing. I've definitely got notes, but I don't want people to see me up there reading my notes for the whole sermon. 
Right. I do have right. a couple of I have a couple of places some some points where I actually think there's a rhetorical effect to looking down when you're making a certain point and actually saying it in just the right way that you wrote it. Like people hear that and they go, "Okay, wait a minute. I need to hear exactly what he's saying here because it's not just conversation anymore. You want it you want to say the phrase in just the right way." And you could do it out away from the pulpit staring at the audience, but I think there's a rhetorical effect that can be used by slowing down for a moment and reading it. You know what I mean? Um but that also gets an issue that we had kind of talked about. And actually, Russ Whitfield, one of our pastoral profs here, brought it up on Twitter when you guys posted that. Yeah, it was a good thread. And he kind of used a John Frame triperspectivalism approach. He said, subjectively, some people are more subjectively given to notes or not notes, right? Uh, existentially, not existentially, uh, kind of situationally, um, you know, certain audiences are given to that. You know, As a matter of fact, you can think of We've got, I, I, we preach churches around here. They're kind of more Baptistic. The The sermon's going to be a 45, 55 minute long sermon. And they expect that you're not reading notes, right? It's going to have a kind of, there's a certain style or way of preaching that I think certain congregations expect. And if you got up there and gave a 25 to 30 minute read, you know, manuscripted sermon, they wouldn't feel like that was a sermon. Whereas there are other churches, I think, where if you went in there and kind of, I remember being at church one time where a guy came in, he was very much away from the, away from the pulpit, kind of talking just into the air, looking at the congregation. People were very disconcerted that he didn't, yep. Yeah. He didn't take it seriously. He, he didn't. And, and to be honest, when you're, I think when you're doing that, it can be hard. I mean, you guys, you guys are excellent preachers. I've heard both Paul and Tommy preach, but it, it can be really hard sometimes to get into some granularity that a congregation may expect, particularly if it's kind of coming out of a very strong exegetical expository tradition. So I found actually there are some churches where I, I stay more in the notes, even if I don't have to, you know, because I know that's what they're expecting. They're expecting a certain type of sermon. And then, yeah. what, then what Woodfield said the last one, some text too may be more given, some biblical text may be more given to preaching without yeah, there are. I think if you're asked as a guest to preach like a pulpit supply, you know, since the norm from a congregational standpoint is to, uh, is that the past will have notes. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't even think they're conscious of it. I think if you just asked people randomly, yeah, you know, uh, they would probably say, yeah, I don't really think about it, but yeah, I think they should have notes. So I don't mm -hmm. think it'd be a serious thing, but it does give a sense that he's prepared mm -hmm. and, and so forth. I do think that is the default uh, in our current uh, church setting. Now, whether that's good or not is a different question. But uh, so if you're asked to guest speak at a congregation uh, that you don't know well, that might be one thing. If you've trained up your people where, you know, you can do so without notes and they know and they can be confident still that you mm -hmm. are prepared, you're not doing this ad hoc, uh, then that's totally fine. And, yeah. I, and and that should be okay. I guess for me, when when... And this has been my experience in general, um, uh, and this is not regarding our two guys, uh, but I mean in general is as a person in the pews listening to a guy speak without notes, uh, my immediate thought is he's going to make a mistake. He's going to screw up. He's going to forget something. What is it going to be? Um, and uh, so when he's done, I'm not <laughs> confident that I got everything that he prepared. 
So I feel at times, you know, did I get everything that he prepared yeah. or not? And, you know, it may have been a great message, but you yeah. just, you that's what you're thinking. Yeah. The other thing is uh, you are paying attention to not, to whether or not he's going to make a mistake or not or forget something. <laughs> and it's not really, you see what it's doing is sort of, it's it's drawing attention to the preacher of the word as opposed to the preached word. You're not really paying attention to what's being said. You're being you're paying attention to the guy. Yeah. And um That's interesting. So, you know, it 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 uh so for the sake of the people who are listening so that they can focus on what is being given as opposed to the to the man himself, you know, perhaps um there is wisdom, and, and again, if you if you preach in a context where that is the norm, and you know yeah. nothing more is thought of it, uh, then you know by all means uh, do so. You know, r- uh, go with the kind of flow of the congregation. You know, you, yeah. it's absolutely true that if you are uh, with notes, it's hard to engage, whether you're affected or not. You don't know how to adjust and improvise. You know, as you're preaching. Yeah. Uh, if you're focused on your material in front of you. Um, I mean, it can be done. Uh, You have to know your notes well. So in other words, even if you preach with notes, the the notes serve you. You do not serve the notes. You are not a master of what you have in front of you. So uh, you should be well enough and familiar with that enough to be able to adapt, take things out. Maybe... um, you know, maybe uh, adjust as as mm-hmm. you see the congregation that is there. I've started to, I, put, I have a way of marking in my notes because I still typically take a manuscript with me. I have a way of marking sections that are, um, I don't know, we call them like alternates or not needed in case I find, you know, I really d- dug down into this one thing more than I expected to. And I can lop this other part off and it's not going to lose the sermon. You know, I, I mean, and that's the interesting part of it is that even hearing you guys talk about your your method of putting it together, you know, we're all doing notes. The question is, do you take the notes with you up into the yeah. pulpit, right? So everybody's got notes. Yeah. And I usually tell our students, when you're getting started off, write everything out. I'd say write it word for word. First of all, you'll benefit because you'll have now all this written material, you know, down the road that you can work with. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to take it into the pulpit with you. I still do for the most part because... Yeah, I don't know if it's like a, you know, if it's a handhold or a crutch or if it just does give me that opportunity that when I need to, I can go down into it. I've noticed that people will sometimes, you know, I'll be 15 minutes into the sermon and I'll do like a, a red sentence. And you can tell people are like, oh, I didn't know he had notes up there. You know, and like I, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I like I like that as kind of a, a, a middle ground. Now, here's the thing is I have noticed because working in the – you know, I've worked in the mission field a good bit, and everybody knows in the mission field, you'll be going on your merry way, and 15 minutes later, you'll be preaching at a church, and you won't know that you were going that was going to happen. You know, you'll get, you'll be visiting a house, and someone will ask you to give a sermon. And I used to actually keep texts of sermons that I knew were kind of good general sermons, like Mark two. You know, I'd keep them on my phone, so if someone asked, I'd have a manuscript right there. But it was in those contexts. That you're moving quickly, you're speaking maybe through an interpreter. I started actually preaching without notes because I wouldn't have it. Mm. So what I do is I'd scan through my manuscript, go through it again, 
because I wouldn't have had been prepped. I remember one time I was in Turkey, I'm taking a bus into this church, and I thought I was just going as a member of the group. And someone says, hey, on the bus ride over, would you preach to us tonight? And um, it was a you know, church of refugees from you know, Arabic-speaking countries, so it's through an Arabic translator. And I had to get up and do Mark two, basically off the top of my head. And so I basically spent the rest of the bus trip just scanning through my manuscript. And there is something, there's a vitality in the preaching in that way. If you really, I preached the sermon before a couple of times, so I do re-preach sermons sometimes, and particularly in that kind of setting. And I had internalized it enough that when I got up, there was a, there was a kind of presence and immediacy to it, which I really liked. And so I, I, I guess I kind of split the difference. I, I think don't stick to your notes, don't read them out, and yet there's a value to having written it out and having it in front of you. For I think a lot of people, particularly newer preachers, it's going to make it's going to make a big difference as opposed to getting you know early, you know, getting up there with the outline early on. I think you haven't found your voice yet. You haven't tried on enough clothes, enough outfits. I'm curious as a as a no-notes guy who sometimes uses <laughs> notes. And I find myself, when I do bring the notes, you know, I prepped that week, was hasty. Yeah. Uh, I'll do it at a guest church. I'll oftentimes, you know, if I don't know the church, I'll just have it there in case, you know, some of the things those that you were talking about earlier. Um, but I find myself feeling that dependency. Like yeah, they're judgy. You said the notes are judgy. <laughs> yeah, the notes are judgy, right? The notes are judging me. Like, how do you cultivate that as a notes guy? Yeah. Um, we just got back from the con- these conferences, right? And, you know, you see somebody that you recognize, but you don't remember their name, so mm-hmm. you have to look down at your mm-hmm. at their name, name tag. Yeah. Um, how do you avoid that kind of, like, constantly looking down? Where are some skills to develop? That's great, yeah. And I and I think, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts, Rich, um, Peter. You're preaching a whole lot more currently than I am on that. I mean, I, I'm, I preach probably once a month. You're preaching pretty much every week. So I'm interested in your thoughts. Yeah, I guess it really is to a certain degree. Again, in terms of the prep, with notes or without notes, I don't know if there's too much of a difference. I mean, I know my manuscript and I know my outline pretty well, uh, fairly thoroughly. The notes I bring up there are are just more like uh, keynote reminders uh, I've already prepped it. I just need to be reminded of what it is I need to say next. And so I'll just glance down and I'll see a key word. And usually I'll, I'll, I'll highlight a key word in bold or in like a yellow uh, highlight so it'll stand out on the page so I can actually visibly see it standing out to remind me um, to remind to remind myself to, to talk about this thing. It is important. I mean, I did prepare it and it is important and I do want to make sure I hit this. Um, so it's more of a reminder, so I'm not dependent on it. Uh, again, it, the presumption with notes is that it requires minimal prep because you've got your notes. So you don't need it. You don't need to do a lot of rehearsing and practicing. You've got your notes. And I think that's a misconception. Or that's what you don't want to do. You don't want to be dependent on your notes. Your notes are, it's sort of, yeah. it's sort of like the consonantal base text of the Hebrew manuscript. You know, the, the consonants are there. <laughs> To remind you of how it's to be. Good analogy. Everybody can relate to this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The consonants are there. It's just to remind you of how it's to be read, not not for the actual reading. It just is, you know. And so the notes are there is just a reminder to me of, oh, that's right. And so in a split millisecond, you see it, and you're processing. 
oh, that's right. I remember I did the work to prepare this idea. Yeah. I want to talk about this idea now. So, so. I, I, it's interesting. There is a whole lot. That's why I'm a little hesitant about all of these things. I think there's kind of general rules of thumb, but everyone's brain works differently in this way. And my my brain, for some reason, if I internalize a text and I stand up there and I've got the manuscript, it's like um, – I know I've gone through pages where I'm even turning the pages of the manuscript and yet I have not looked at the notes. You know what I mean? I know where I am and I don't even know how to describe it because it's really, uh, you know, the closest thing to it is like playing guitar. I can pick up and there are songs that I remember from high school. And if you say, how do you play it? I'd be like, I have no idea. But as soon as I start playing, my fingers know where to go. It's this kind of tacit knowledge thing. So, you might say, well, then what's the point of notes? Is that it's still, there is, for me, there's still something about turning the page and kind of going through it, even though I'm not looking at them per se, you know? Um, and it keeps you kind of, it, it keeps me sort of rooted in what I mean to say. And that's why I think it is a little different because I'm with you guys. There's this like, you don't want to be checking note cards of like, you know, when you're talking to someone, how was your day? And then you flip the note card. Mine was great. You know, that's not how that kind of dialogue happens. I do think there's something about the format of the sermon, and this isn't against using notes, but this is kind of filming uh, or informing how I think about the format of the sermon. It is a genre that is dialogical, but it's not just mere dialogue, right? It's not casual dialogue. It is dialogical, but there's a kind of, there's a, there's got to be, a, it's, it's, how it's not a talk or something. It's a sermon. And there's a reverence to it that I also think I lean on when I've got those notes. I can lean on the sort of, this is a, this was really thought through. And it's even, there's something about when you hear, you guys comment on this too, when you hear regular discourse and you then see it on a text, it looks terrible. We all are like, oh gosh, we're all terribly inarticulate. You know, if you read your words that you said verbally, there's also a flip side to it. There can be times when reading like I was saying earlier, reading, not just the act of reading, but the way you construct a sentence in the written form that is just different and it can add a certain gravitas to it that I think gets a little bit at what the sermon is. The sermon is dialogical, but it's also the presentation of the word of God, you know? So I'm, I'm everything you guys were talking about. I was like, amen. Even particularly the comedian uh, reference, you know, I noticed that myself earlier i had in paul and i had talked about this before that i think the genre closest to the sermon perhaps is the stand-up comedian but here's the thing because you're trying to be entertaining and funny you're, you're evoking funny. an you're invoking a a change in perspective that's all that's an emotional and intellectual change in perspective from an audience yes yeah, not just about being funny as a matter of fact it's not about being funny right um and he mentioned i think he mentioned dave Chappelle. for me it was, i was reading steve martin's book born standing up about how he came up with his method. And the interesting thing about that is that, you know, Paul talked about how thought through, I mean, how much they workshop this stuff. And what's amazing um, is they workshop for a year to get 60 minutes of material. As a matter of fact, if you ever see that documentary with Jerry Seinfeld, it's after the show ends, it's called Comedian. And after the Seinfeld show ends, he has to, he has to come up with a new bit. And so it's about him developing his bit and his bit takes years yeah. to come up with 45 to 60 minutes of comedy. And you think about the pastor. I mean, that's the incredible thing about what the pastor's doing. He's doing this every week 
30 minutes, 45 minutes every week of bit, you can't workshop it as much yeah. as the comedian does. So that's why I also I think again, having those, if you see him, if you see like Jerry Seinfeld, you know, workshopping, he's got his note cards. He pulls his note cards out while he's at these small little stand up joints in the middle of the night so he can try out jokes. Because you got to work on the timing. You got to get just the word right. If you mess it up in the moment, it doesn't work. It doesn't land, you know. And sermons aren't manipulative like that. And yet, it's, I think it's just, there's a similarity there. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about that in the car. And it, it kind of triggered something for me, too. On the pro, this is a pro notes comment. Um, <laughs> you coming over to our side? Betraying my, uh, my, my team here. But the. Yeah, the, the weekly rhythm of it, especially yeah. if you are preaching weekly, uh, as as some some pastors aren't preaching weekly, but especially as you're preaching weekly, there's this kind of pressure that weekly preaching is different. Yeah, I think than than like what you and I do, where we're yeah. kind of bouncing into the church, you know, once a month or something like that. Yeah, the weekly rhythm of preaching is good and wonderful, and and it uh, forces a kind of cohesion over the period of a month or two months or six months but there's a pressure that builds yeah. as a result and you know and that perhaps notes can kind of depressurize that a little bit make, yeah. make, make you feel well that's definitely true uh, from my from what i can tell i mean you know you're juggling around a lot of different factors um that strain you emotionally mm -hmm. physically spiritually I don't need the strain of, did I memorize my message or not? I yeah. added to that. So just give me my notes. I know it real well. I'm not going to depend on it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, there might be a, a week or two where you do just out of, you know, just you didn't have time to really adequately prepare and, uh, and that's fine. Uh, but yeah, I guess, you know, the question is, you know, it's not if, if you can, the question is, you know, if you should. Uh, is this something that is that demands my time to sit there because it's memorized? I think we have to remember that a, a sermon that's done without notes is a purely memorized sermon, and it takes time to memorize. Yeah, you know that's I mean, I know they, a point they that are, you guys I mean, made. It takes a lot of time to do that. So, they were arguing for like a non-verbatim so, memorization, yeah. though. Kind but of like, still, something is memorized, yeah. even if it were an outline. You you are memorizing outline, something. Memorized, and I'll memorize. I'll, I'll write out. Trent, see, this is why I shouldn't have been here. Mm -hmm. No, I want to hear it. Yeah. Defending me. Um, we we so, want the defense. We're unlike you guys. We we want secure with our. We want to have Tommy. a point counterpoint. <laughs> we're we're secure with our position here, Tommy. You see. <laughs> well said. Well said. Uh, yeah, I'll memorize the outline. I put a lot of uh, work into having the introduction and transitions between points. Right. Right. Just I I know basically what I'm going to say. I'll write those out. I do that too. And that's the thing I'm most likely to check my notes on are the transition points. Yeah. I find it's like, okay. you got to, if you don't transition well, then you lose the, you can lose the whole thing. You can lose the whole thing. And it can take that transition, especially without notes. You, you mentioned mm -hmm. in these 45, 55, 60, in these, these sermons that go on perpetually. It's the introductions that take forever to get through. And those transition points, yeah. they just can be, bog you down in yeah. ad hoc kind of material. So yeah. so it's not memorized. The outline's memorized. I, I do kind of work through those transitions, but then then it's yeah, kind of more impromptu. And, and on the other side of it, I think you've got, if you're going to be a, a manuscript person, um, you've got you've to put a lot of work 
into presenting that manuscript in a way that doesn't sound like you're reading it, like yeah. you're reading it, you know, and yes, don't, you know, we'll get some comment on how Jonathan Edwards read all of his manuscripts 10 inches from his face because it was low light and his eyesight was but bad. But you'd have to be someone like yeah, Jonathan Edwards right. to do that. So if you're yeah. Jonathan Edwards and you're hanging spiders, you can do whatever you want you know, over the fire. But <laughs> we love it. Yeah. You know, but you've got to do extra work if you've got that manuscript in front of you to make sure you're not just reading it. Right, because the audience needs the congregation needs to know that this is the word for them. This is God's word for them. Right, you need to be giving it to them, and so that's why. I mean, everything y'all were saying, I think, in practice was right, and particularly in the method of preparing. Everyone needs to hear this. One thing we're all in agreement on is you have to, you have to do all the preparation. You've got right. to have the whole argument worked out and understood clearly, and whether or not you got a note card up there or a full manuscript. You need to be able to articulate that that exegesis and application. You know, I like what you said. What's what problem is the is the text answering? Right. That that's the sermon, mediated through the person, mediated through Tommy Keene or Peter Lee. You know, understanding a text in light of that. You've got to do all that work on the front end. This isn't about getting up and giving an ad hoc talk because you're just a smart all around person or something like that. Right. So regardless of what you've got up there as a help to get through the to get through the sermon. You know the prep has to be there, right? Right. And re whether you do your note, use notes or not, again, I think that's sort of the uh, the thing to keep in mind. That's a common denominator behind both. I think you put it really well, Scott. Uh, we we both do notes. We prepare notes. Mm -hmm. It's a question of do we take it up with us or not? Yeah. And what? And either way, you have to know your you have to know your content, uh, really, really well. So that you're not dependent on the notes. So if God forbid something happens and mm -hmm. you leave your notes at home, you know you you can still do a more than adequate job. Yeah. Uh, One thing Tommy said that struck me as interesting, and it made me think about my more recent experiences where I've been using just like a note card, is you said there's something about getting up there on faith and not having the notes kind of like it sort of scares you straight. You didn't say that, but he said getting up there without having the crutch. You have to get up, you have to start, on, you have to go by faith. You're that trusting you're going to be able, Lord, yeah. to, That you're going to be able to preach this sermon. Yeah, I think Did I say that correctly? Yeah, I, well, and I, I was kind of pushing back against the, like sometimes the, the no notes folks. You know, you can think that, how arrogant is this to go mm -hmm. without notes? My, my experience has been the opposite. It has been, <laughs> it reinforces the terror of preaching, that is yeah, preaching, the right. foolishness of it all, that I would be unpacking the Word of God. And particularly after now, you know, for me, I think I preached my first sermon probably 20 years ago, 22 years ago. I remember being terrified. Mm -hmm. I was terrified for, for probably the first five years of preaching. I would get up, you know, palm sweaty, <laughs> heart beating, can't, you know, aren't even sure. I mean, I, I remember there being times like I might have a heart attack before I stand up to go preach, you know, just being terrified. And what's happened over 22 years is that, that I'm now teaching every week and preaching regularly. Um, it's hard for me to be nervous mm. anymore. And, there is something, I mean, part of it, you need to remember what's actually happening, right? That's the main thing. Remember what you're actually doing when you preach. But going up there with a notepad or, you know, a note you know, outline or something like that, 
um, it does it does help aid in that effort of I need to be really engaged. Do not get up there and casually read through this manuscript. You need to be engaged with that congregation. You need to be realizing what you're doing, right? And not not treating this like it's just another thing. Okay. Um, and I I felt that too. I felt that kind of it's an aid, as it were, in sort of reminding me of the vitality of what's going on here as a preacher. Yeah. Either way, um, you know, uh, you know, a pastor who preaches without notes and does so out of humility and utter dependence on the Lord, sort of how you described it, Tommy. Uh, uh, and if the people you're preaching to are aware of that type of character and heart, it, it definitely exalts the word, exalts mm -hmm. Christ. Yep. And therefore, when you give a solid message, they can say, yeah, that was the Lord speaking to me through my pastor, and and that's a good thing. But I feel the need to say at this point, I didn't say I was humble. I said that I was terrified. Yeah. <laughs> but well, uh, okay. I take your point. I take your point. Well, okay. Humble, terrified. Yeah. I'm sure they're from the same etymology. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, thanks, Brother Keen, for allowing your um your humble colleagues to come back and just offer maybe a word a word of caveat no um mild counterpoint it, it was fun to it was fun to listen to that that episode i learned a ton and uh and, and i and i do like the counterpoint the point counterpoint because this is the kind of thing that i think as pastors you know you are mediating god's word as it were kind of to the audience in the form of the sermon you know we even consider this part of the prophetic office in the reformed tradition that you're standing up, you're doing these things, and we shouldn't be surprised. Just like the authors of Scripture had different methods and style, we shouldn't be surprised that pastors do as well. And I think one of the things, one of the analogies you, you used, Tommy, was trying things on, you know, like their clothes, you know, trying on an outfit. Um, I think for our young pastors out there, or older pastors for that matter, that you know, as you're finding your voice, you know, trying on different methods and different approaches will help will help you find your voice and try things on, give them a fair shake try to get what's good out of it, you know, before just kind of holding to your hard view without having tried on maybe other perspectives and other styles. Great having this conversation. Thanks folks for participating. And uh, we look forward to being with you again next week. If you'd like to know more about RTS, go to rts.edu forward slash Washington. Or if you'd like to ask a question, go on to our notes for this show, this episode. You can see a little link there. You'll be able to click through to your notes. Uh, we have a few in, in the hopper that we're going to answer in future episodes, but we'd love to hear from you. So don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Faculty Podcast uh, wherever fine podcasts are distributed. And until next week, take care. maybe oh no we should listen to it because if it sounds like you're in the background it still works for this episode because <laughs> it's kind of funny if you're sort of like speaking out of the background <laughs>